Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Romans chapter number eight, and uh, we're going to be verse number one down to verse number four, the book of Romans chapter number eight. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you, maybe in the back of the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's word. And uh, we would encourage you to pick up that copy of God's word and read along with us. And in fact, if you don't have a Bible at all, that would be our gift to you. We would want you to have that as you go. And uh, sometimes people feel like they're stealing the Bibles out of the pew when they go out and uh, you're not. You can have that if you need one. Okay. We believe there's nothing more important than having a copy of God's word in your hand, in your home and in your heart. And uh, we are this morning in Romans chapter number eight. So across the top of the page, the, the word Romans and then big number eight. We call that a chapter. And then verse one, that's a small number, verse one to verse four. Romans chapter number eight is one of the greatest passages in the Bible. All of the passages in the Bible are great, but this passage teaches wonderful truths that are so relevant and practical for our Christian living. So if you're tracking through Romans with us, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 helps us understand the nature of sin and how we are all lost in our sin and how that being lost in our sin, we've now separated ourselves from God. We've become the objects of God's wrath so that if we died in our sin, we are given over to separation from God and eternal death in a place that the Bible calls hell. So what should we do then? Well, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 5. God provided a way of escape for us in that he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross in our place. That he made a way out. And then have, now having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, man, what, what does it mean now to walk in this new life? And those of you who were with us the last couple of weeks, you'll remember we spent time in Romans 7 understanding this struggle that we now have with sin. This battle that we have with sin that although we've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and although our position with Christ is eternally secured and the heaven awaits the believer, man, we are still here in the flesh. How many remember that last week? And we had Derek up here. He was the flesh, right? No good thing comes from Derek. And then Michael was life in the spirit. And now there's, these, there's this war inside of us as believers. That was Romans 7, the very end. And you're going you're gonna to see as you read through Romans 8, there's a, there's a very distinct note that changes when you get into Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 7, everything is, I struggled with this, and I want to do good, and I can't do good, and I keep doing bad, and I see my sin, and I feel so guilty, and I feel so condemned, and I have all this regret. Everything is I-centered. In Romans 8, man, there's no, no I-centered, no self-centeredness, but this spirit-centeredness that happens in Romans and chapter 8. Verse number 1. Let's stand together, if you're willing and able, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Notice, notice the word spirit, how it is capitalized. Speaking of a particular person. Not spirit as a small s, as in your spirit on the inside of you. Well, he, he had a lot of spirit. What do we mean by that? He's, he's really lively. Man, he's a, he's a spirited child. What do we mean? We mean he's disobedient. That's what we mean, right? He's so spirited. Small s. That's, it's not a small s. It's a capital S. We walk not after the flesh. And we walk after the spirit. It's a specific reference, and I need you to catch this, it's a specific reference to the Holy Spirit of God. It's a specific reference to the Holy Spirit of God. So this believer who's struggling with sin, you know, has this battle inside of him, finds victory, how? In not going after the flesh, but in going after the Spirit, in going after the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse number four. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So the, the mention of law is not new to the Roman study, right? The, the law. Simply meaning there's like a system of operation, right? Governing rules, a, a way of doing things. So there's an operation of sin which leads us to death. And then there's this operation of the spirit which leads us to life. There's a way to do life where you're given over to sin and death and regret and guilt. And there's a way to do life in the spirit, which leads to life and joy and happiness. Think, think all fruits of the spirit there, okay? Look at verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So, so what you couldn't live up to in your own strength, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin, in the flesh. This is why I told you at the beginning of the study of Romans, this is such a rich book. You have, you have the doctrine of the Trinity in one verse. Do you see it? So you have God the Father sending his Son, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have God the Father sending his own Son, God the Son, for sinful flesh, and then what? And then allowing us as sinful flesh to have victory in this life through who? Through the Holy Spirit of God. And so people go, well, I don't see the Trinity anywhere in the Bible. Read Romans 8, right? Beautiful picture. This is what God did for us. Look at verse number 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit our heavenly father we pray that you would use your word in our hearts and lives teach us these great truths about the blessing and the benefit of the holy spirit of god in the life of believers 
And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, Amen. Amen. There are 26 references in the entire letter of Romans to or about the Holy Spirit of God. So 26 times in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul makes reference or mention of the Holy Spirit of God. 18 of those times happens in this one chapter. Can I give you just a quick, a quick snapshot of it? Look at verse number 8, but after the Spirit. Look at verse number 2, law of the Spirit. Look at verse number 14, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look at verse number 5, things of the Spirit. Look at verse number 10, the Spirit is life. Look at verse 11, but if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Look at verse number 13, that ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. Look, look at verse number 14, that are, as many are as led by the Spirit of God. Look at verse number 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Capital S bears witness with our spirit. Little S. Do you see the distinction being made there? The, the Spirit, Holy Spirit of God bears witness with, with our spirit. Keep, keep reading. Go down to verse number, uh, go to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Look, look later in verse number 26. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Look at verse number 27. The mind of the Spirit. How many of you are seeing that all the way through this text? So what do you think this text is about? If you say anything other than, this, than the Holy Spirit, then you're wrong, okay? There's a right answer, there's a wrong answer, and if you do not say the Holy Spirit, it's wrong. This text is a text about the benefits that the Holy Spirit of God now provides to us as believers. And so we're, we're going to be it's about six sermons, I think, is what, is what our study in, in Romans 8 will take. And it's, it's this little mini-series inside of it. We're calling it Life with the Spirit. We'll see two of those benefits this morning. Two benefits that come to us as believers through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this is not the first time Paul has made mention to the Holy Spirit. It's not the first time he shows up in Romans. In fact, go to Romans chapter 5, verse number 5. In Romans chapter 5, Paul also makes mention there of the Holy Spirit of God. Here's how the end of the chapter, verse 4, here's how it ends. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. So he's talking about Jesus. So Jesus died on the cross for our sin and then he raised from the dead and he sealed his redemptive work on the cross for us. So verse 5, chapter 1. So therefore being justified by faith that we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, look here. God the Father. We have peace with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son. Go, go, down, go down to verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. 
See why, we, see why we believe in the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of them at work in our salvation. Titus chapter 3. Man, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercies that he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Do you see it? it was, how are we saved then? We were saved because God made a way of escape for us. How did God make a way of escape? He sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world who died on the cross, who that when we who have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ have by faith through grace believed on him, then he seals us as believers with the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. This is our understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Here's why this is important, because there's a huge, erroneous teaching of the Holy Spirit of God that, yes, you might believe in Jesus, but now you also need to get this extra blessing through another avenue known as the Spirit, which comes later when you mature in your faith. And what we say to that is we say, no, that's not the teaching of the Scriptures. That at the moment of salvation, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of faith and grace and mercy and love and Christ's atoning sacrificial death on the cross for our behalf, we died when he died. We raised when he was raised. We were identified with him. We were brought into his family. This is all true. But what is also true is at the moment of salvation, you received the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Here's why this matters. This matters because oftentimes in our spiritual journey, we start looking for resources to help us along spiritually, but we already have the greatest resource indwelling us, which is the Holy Spirit of God. So sometimes we say things like, well, I'm struggling, Romans 7. I just got this war inside of me. The stuff I shouldn't do, I do. The stuff I, the stuff I should do, I don't do. If I could just somehow get over this in my spiritual life, well, then, then I would be good. If I, if I just had some other thing to help pull me over, to help get me over the spiritual hump. Now listen, we have the greatest resource available, and that is the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And it's certain that we must make effort, and it's certain that we must do battle, and it's certain that we should resist sin and temptation. It's certain that we should flee from temptation. All these things are true. But one of the ways in which we find victory spiritually is through the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. It's a way of helping us understand that the Bible is not simply some infomercial that just says, okay, now you need to change. You just need to have a positive spirit. You need to look at yourself in the mirror every morning and go, you're a tiger. You can do it. Rah, rah, re, kick the devil in the knee. You just got to deep down inside, you got to believe that you can achieve. And if you believe that you can achieve, then you'll receive. And anything else that rhymes with Eve, right? No. 
there is a there is a strength at work in the life of the believer and that strength at work in the life of the believer is known as the Holy Spirit of God. And many Christians rarely think about the Holy Spirit of God. We do a lot of talking about our need for a right relationship with God and forgiveness of sins and restoration. We do a lot of talking about Christ's sacrificial death and rightfully so. The, the focus of most churches is on Christ and not on the Spirit because that is the focus of the Gospels. That's the focus of the, of the New Testament authors and because that is the focus of the Holy Spirit of God himself. And he testifies to us about the work that Christ has done on our behalf. But this, is, this helps us discern proper teaching on the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because proper teaching on the Holy Spirit of God is Christ-exalting, it's cross-centered, and it's word-focused. That there is never a time that the Spirit of God will tell you to do something that is not found in the Word of God. The Spirit of God ministers the Word of God in the life of the believer, the life of the child of God. This is one of his primary roles. This is his assignments. And there's much error in the church by way of either neglecting the Holy Spirit of God or overemphasizing what the Spirit is saying to us separately as if it were this separate, second, coming later anointment that we must have for our spiritual growth. We unequivocally would reject that. The Holy Spirit of God is a person. The Holy Spirit of God is not a force it's not simply a principle. It's not simply a nature of God. It's not a part of God. It's not a mode of the existence of God. The Holy Spirit is a person distinct from God the Father and God the Son. And he has a specific assignment in the heart and the life of the believer. You say, well, that was a whole lot of setup to get us to Romans 8. And th but that's a necessary setup because there's so much error by way of understanding the Holy Spirit of God as believers. And because there's so much error, then, then we as believers, we go, well, I just want to talk about that because that, I, I mean, I know a, a family member who does that and I don't think that that's right and it seems kind of weird. And I never had a, an experience like that. So... And so then we, we miss out on a great understanding of what is available to us as believers by way of the Holy Spirit of God. And so Romans 8, Paul is showing us why this is true. Why it, why it is true that there is a great benefit given to us at salvation by way of the Holy Spirit. Two benefits this, this morning, and we'll get to the rest of them over the course of the next five weeks. Number one. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we have a life without condemnation. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we have a life without condemnation. Look at chapter 8, look at verse 1 and verse 2. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul says, here's what he said in chapter 7, I continue to struggle with sin. I continue to battle with sin. I find myself doing things I don't want to do all the time and end up thereby violating God's word and God's law. So how much condemnation should I expect to experience? Okay, so yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I still end up doing things I know I shouldn't do. So how much condemnation should I expect to experience in this life because I've gone against God's word or God's law. And here's his answer. And this is a great answer. Here's his answer. Ready? There is no condemnation. Now that should really make you smile. You should at least smile. Maybe elbow your neighbor and go, that's really good news. There is no condemnation. It's what the choir is saying about a moment ago. It, the, the verdict over your life is not guilty. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So the Spirit's law, he's contrasting in verse number two, the Spirit's law stands out in sharp contrast to the law of sin and death. The law of sin brings death, for the wages of sin is death. This is what the law, the operation, the mode of sin in our life brings death. It brings judgment. It brings guilt. It brings regret. It brings remorse. It fractures relationships. It hurts. It wounds. It kills. It destroys. It tears down. It defiles. All of these things, he's already made these, this point about sin. This is what the law of sin does in, in our lives. It, 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 it brings us into judgment and ultimately it brings us into death. So in contrast, the law of the spirit, it does not bring death and regret and condemnation and guilt. The law of the spirit brings what? Look, look at verse two. For the law of the spirit of life. So the law of sin brings death and regret and guilt and judgment and condemnation. But the law of the Spirit brings life. It brings abundant life, later he'll tell us. And it ultimately brings the greatest of all lives, and that is eternal life with God. Now I need you to hear me say something. The Bible does not say that there is no condemnation. That's not what verse number one says. Verse number one does not simply read, there's no condemnation. Look at verse one. It reads, therefore now there is no condemnation. Therefore now, now there is no, there was condemnation, there was judgment, there was guilt, there was this, but now there is no condemnation. So, so go back to chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and you'll realize that there is nothing, there's nothing but condemnation taking place in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. 
In fact, the Bible teaches that there is condemnation to those who sin against God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Bible is filled with judgment, condemnation, guilt against those who disobey God's law, those who reject God's son and those who refuse to go after God, which by the way is everyone for all have sinned. There is none that doeth good. There's none righteous. No, not one. There is no one that seeketh after God. And so this is what the Bible has already taught us. And this is the state of which everyone is living in. It is not saying that everyone is as bad as they could be. But what it is saying is we are all just too bad to save ourselves. It's, it's not saying everyone is as awful as they possibly could be. No, because you know some people that are probably good individuals. I know some people that are probably good individuals. Every now and then you're probably a nice person. It's not that you are as bad as you could be. It's simply that you're too bad to save yourself. Which is why we needed the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross in our place. And it is into that terrible condition. We're all too bad to save ourselves. It's into that terrible condition that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has come. It's been introduced. That's why Paul says in the very first chapter, it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. So as a result of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul then writes, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to who? Well, look at the verse. Don't guess. Look at the verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. Look, this is a very important lesson. Not because condemnation was waived. Not because God takes your sin and sweeps it under the rug and pretends like it didn't happen. That's not how God deals with sin. That's not how God dealt with sin. There is no condemnation. Why? Because God sent Jesus into the world who took our condemnation on himself. This is what he says in verse number three. Look at verse three. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So there's two points under this one. A, our acceptance, our acceptance with God. There's now no condemnation. Why? Because our acceptance is because Christ took our place. You see, friend, the reason that you are not condemned, the reason I am not condemned, 
is because Christ was condemned 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross in our place. He took all the punishment. He took all the pain. And the case has now been closed. John chapter 5. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. So if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, guess what? You passed from death to life so that there is now no condemnation to those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet God does not love you to the degree that you are like Christ. God loves you to the degree that you are in Christ. And there's a big difference. God does not love you to the degree that you are like Christ. Doing good, helping the poor, going to church, saying polite things to your neighbor. No, God loves you to the degree that you are in Christ. That's what he says. Therefore now there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ. Pastor, how do we, how do we become in Christ? Here it is, ready? Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a law that's called double jeopardy. And once you have been tried for a crime and set free, that you cannot be tried for that same law again. In God's law, Jesus Christ took all of the condemnation that we deserved on himself. So if God were to put all the condemnation on Jesus Christ and then put all the condemnation on you, that's called double punishment. So if Jesus took all my condemnation, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus then takes all of my guilt, all of my sin on himself. This is why Paul writes, therefore now there's no condemnation to them which are in, which are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus took all my condemnation 2,000 years ago on the cross. He explains it how he did. If you want to understand the explanation of it, that's verse 3. God sending his own son. It's the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Listen to the words. The words of the Bible matter because they're the words of God. We say that over and over and over here at First Baptist. In the likeness of sinful flesh. He did not say God sent Jesus into the world as sinful flesh. He sent him in the likeness of sinful flesh. It doesn't say that he sent Jesus into the world as simply divine. He could not be tempted. No, he sent him in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he was in all points tempted like we are, yet he was without sin. There was only one person who ever lived up to the demand of the law. And that one person was Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect sinless life. And then, he, and then he went to the cross and he died on the cross in our stead. And he offers to all those that would believe on him eternal life. He substituted himself in our place. 
He said, the life that you could not live, I'll live. And the death that you deserve to die, I'll die. Now believe on me and you shall have eternal life. That is the promise of salvation from God. Listen, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Listen, for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. You see, you see one of those, the first and great benefit that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer is he reminds the believer that there is now no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. Our acceptance is because Christ took our place. Let it be. Our acceptance is not based on our performance. That God's love for you, God's, God's salvation extended to you, it does not depend on your desire. It does not depend on your own effort. It does not depend on your religiousness. It does not depend on your civility. It does not depend on, on your morality. It does not depend on your neighboring or parenting. It, it does not de depend on any of that. God's love for you, God's salvation provided for you depends on one thing, and that is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the sweet declaration that the Spirit of God whispers over and over and over to the life, in the life of the believer. There is no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. Remember, remember the question Paul asked at the end of Romans 8? I mean the Romans 7? Just go up two verses. Look at the end of Romans 7. Look at verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Here's what Paul just said. At the end of Romans 7, Paul is saying this. I feel so condemned. I feel so guilty. I feel like I can't measure up. I feel like I don't live up. I feel... I feel like every time I take one step forward, I take five steps back. How many of you ever feel like that? I feel like every time I move toward him, every time I, every time I do something good, I feel like, man, then I, then I take three steps back because I, I, I take pride in thinking that I somehow did that of my own. <laughs> Who will deliver me from this feeling? How much condemnation should I give for doing the things that I know I shouldn't do? Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He said, really good news for you. The Holy Spirit of God ministers, witnesses with your spirit to remind you that 2,000 years ago on a cross, Jesus took all your condemnation for you. And he set you free from the law of sin and death. You see, you see how this motivates the life of the believer? It doesn't manipulate the life of the believer. Look here. You see how this motivates the life of the believer? It doesn't manipulate the life of the believer. See, false religion says this, you're separated from God because no one's perfect. We all know that. F false religion says you're separated from God. You sinned, you did wrong. God's up there in heaven, distant, removed. He lives in nirvana. He lives way out there. You can't get to him. God's separated from you. And now God demands you to somehow get to him. And good luck trying. You better hope your good outweighs your bad in the end. And then you get a good roll of the dice and you get in. And Christianity says, no, 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 no. God is separated from you. You sinned. I sinned. No one's perfect. We're all lost in our sin, deserving judgment and guilt and wrath from God because of our sin. But
but God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ for us. And you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when you believed in Jesus, you died with him. You raised with him. You were adopted, brought into his family. God's propitiation was set on you. You were made brand new. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And now he witnesses with you, whispers to you. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Boldly walk into Christian life. to sheepishly come into the presence of God? And we can boldly come into the throne room of grace. Why? Because it's a throne room of grace. Because of our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit makes it possible. Look here. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live a life without condemnation. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live a life without condemnation. Now some of you, verse 1 doesn't move you, but there's others in the room where you're, you're constantly putting yourself down. And it's hindering your spiritual growth because you're saying things like, well, why try anyway? Hey, I mean, why even... Why even try anyway? I can't, I can't get anywhere. I, the battle inside of me, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I know I should do, I don't do. And there's, there's this war. And even when I do something good, it ends up being bad because... And you're, you're, you're self-defeating instead of living a victorious, spirit-filled life. And Paul says, hear, hear me, this is very important for you to know before we get to what the Spirit will... will will do for you in other areas. Listen, you need to know this. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You don't have to live with that baggage. You don't have to live with that regret. You don't have to live with that guilt. You don't have to live with that holding over. You don't always have to bring yourself back and put yourself down. You don't always have to keep going back and paying penance. You don't always have to just keep self-depreciating, self-depreciating. You don't have to live there. There's victory on the other side of listening to the Holy Spirit of God remind you that Jesus Christ took all your condemnation for you on the cross. So what should the response of the believer be? You see, there's no proper response to hearing this news except gratitude, worship, and praise in the heart of the believer. Jesus took all of your guilt. Jesus took all of your sin. Jesus took all of your shame. And he bore it gladly on himself on the cross that day. Even after I knew even after I believed, even this last week when I knew better, yes, he still did that. Which it's the greatest news in all the world. It's, it's, it's like God knows everything there is to know about you, and he loves you anyway. He knows all there is to know about you, and he still sent his son to die on the cross for you as a demonstration of his love. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there's, there's no 
skeletons coming out of the closet with our relationship with God where he goes, oh, that's a deal breaker right there. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you had stinky feet. This relationship is over. Oh, I, I didn't realize you were an ice cruncher. I, that drives me crazy. This, this relationship is done. No, God knows all there is to know about you, still sent his son to die on the cross for you. And then his spirit ministers in your heart and reminds you, hey, listen, God already knew that and he loved you anyway. And what's the appropriate response on the life from the life of the believer? And that there's only one response that's appropriate. And that is this to fall on your knees and worship that God. The only appropriate response is to go, you are God and God alone, and you are worthy of praise, and you're worthy of adoration, and you're worthy of it all. There is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Well, we only made it one point, and it's time to go. You see why this is going to take us six weeks? The pastor can't stop talking on the first point. And I don't, I don't want you to leave without this. Under, this is so crucial in understanding this chapter. It's so crucial in understanding this chapter. It's the Holy Spirit of God ministers of what the work of the Son of God accomplished for our, on the cross for our salvation and the plan that God had for you and for me in the very beginning. Can we read verse 1 together? Let's stand, let's stand, let's read it. We'll be done. Verse 1. you got to come back if you want point number 2 next week. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. Let's read it together. Ready? Let's read. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that your spirit ministers your word to us, causes us to grow, learn, become the men, the women, the moms, the dads, the neighbors, the friends that you want us to be. Father, thank you for the way in which you provided a way of escape for us. And thank you for the way that your spirit reminds us over and over and over again that all of our sin was paid for 2,000 years ago through the sinless substitutionary sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in response to that, our hearts cry out, praise be to God who giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's two questions that are appropriate to ask in response to Romans 8.1. 
First one is this. Has there been a time in your life when you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? As the only way in which you'll find forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God. If, if you're here and you say, Pastor, as you were preaching this morning, Lord was speaking to my heart and I realized today that I do not know heaven is my home. I do not know my sins are forgiven. And I would like to know more about that. Would you slip your hand up high enough for me and one of our pastors to see it? We'd like to pray for you. Say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you. Who else? Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you for your courage. Who else? Say, Pastor, that's me. I do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I'd like to. Pray for me, Pastor. God bless you. Who else? Say, Pastor, that's me. If you're here and you do know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, can I ask you this? Have you forgotten one of the greatest benefits, the greatest resources made available to you by God through His Son, which is the Holy Spirit of God living in your heart? Reminding you, witnessing to you of the great work that God has done for you? Are, are you listening to the voices of regret? The voices of guilt? Are you, are you listening to the voices of you can't measure up, you're not good enough? Are, are you listening to the voices of culture? Are, are, you, are you not as pretty as, not as popular as, not as successful as? Are you listening to all these voices? Or are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God that says God knows you, God made you, and God loves you. He knows everything there is to know about you. And He delights in you who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, friend, God does not regret saving you. He doesn't regret bringing you into his family. He doesn't regret initiating a relationship with you. He delights in that. He is happy for that. It was his eternal plan. And it was divinely carried out through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes in our own lives, we listen to every voice except his. To every voice except his. How many of you say, Pastor, I needed to be reminded this morning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God in my heart and life. Slip your hand up, my hand's up. 